Hello and welcome to the Farming Banker Podcast. My name is Jeremy Dutch. I'm the Farming Banker. I'm also a commercial lender for German American State Bank, specializing in the agriculture and real estate investment fields. Um, and I'm a part of our family's operation uh, located in Poplar Grove, Illinois. Uh, for those of you that listen to the podcast, for those of you who are just stumbling across this for the first time, be sure to visit uh, the Farming Banker podcast and select subscribe and follow uh, or follow. I am on three platforms. Uh, you can find this podcast at the Podbean app. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and you can also find it on the Spotify app as well. So make sure you go uh, follow that or subscribe to it so you do not miss another episode of the Farming Banker Podcast. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the name Farming Banker. You can get some relevant information around the uh, ag industry, banking industry, regulatory updates, things of that sort. And I also have a website by the name of farmingbanker.com. And on that website, you will find links to our family operation, to the bank, um, and then also to this uh, um, podcast as well. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, too, if you want to be on this uh, Farming Banker podcast, please shoot me an email. Um, love to have guests on here and, and share your story or, or highlight your business. So um, the email to get a hold of me at is jeremy at farmingbanker.com, and uh, we'll try to squeeze you in on the schedule. So thanks for listening in. I appreciate it. All right, here we are, Saving the Farm podcast, uh, series two here, talking about the 90s, um, with my mom and dad, Lenny and Tammy. Uh, unfortunately, the, the boys and Beth, they, they're at their shoot-around today, so they can't make it with us. But uh, like I said, talking about the 90s, and, and at, at the last time we talked, mom and dad, we talked about um, you know a couple stories that, that kind of hit me hard as you guys were talking about how grandma and grandpa came in um, from the south or from the south and and made you know tried to make their way here and get on the farm and you know we went through some struggles and in some of his health issues and and we got you know to the zoo contract and and you know a lot of the stuff I remember you guys talking about things that you did after the fact that kind of shaped where we're at today and so uh, you know I was hoping you guys would take us through some of those things you know maybe it's a Maybe it's not quite 90s, maybe it's late 80s into early 90s, uh, but it's kind of the transition of how we move from doing the hay contract to, to being row crop farmers and all the things that came along there. So if you're, you guys are gracious enough to continue on the story, so I guess the floor is yours. All right. Well, I think, you know, we went through the struggles early on and, and like you talked about and, and um, you know, and, and with the financial situation, the financial crisis that that came and when we came back, you know, trying to to get ourselves above water again, you know, it was really a lot of not home runs, but singles. We just tried to find different ways to diversify um, our income sources and, and to get it. So we were, we, we you know, you got to get lucky too a little bit <laughs> yeah. down, the, down the road and, and, you know, your neighborhood and your people and your contacts, just like you guys do today. Um, you know, you call it networking. We didn't call it networking back then, but it was people that you met that you got um, close to and, and that you ended up working together. We we had had some cattle that we uh, were working on, you know, artificially breeding and stuff for you, for the kids to show in 4-H. Yep. We had some cows and we kind of got to know the artificial breeder at that time. And um, his name was Don Roker and worked for ABS. But that he, he knew of a project that was coming on 
through the Bar Brown Swiss Association that they were trying to do that was going to be to, to ship a bunch of heifers to Africa uh, or to South America. South America. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I thought it was. Yeah. Yep, yep, South America. And they wanted to have a boatload of females. And when you say boatload, you're talking actual boatload. Uh, That's actually, not a figurative of speech. No, I'm talking about a boatload <laughs> yeah. of heifers to take over, and they wanted all females in those heifers. So it was a funny project. It was really, really fun to do. Um, we we would um, so so Brown Swiss. They introduced us. Brown Swiss came out and talked to us about it, and it was it was a long process. It was probably two and a half years to do mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And we set up our barn, and they knew we were familiar with uh, some embryo transplanting and doing some of that stuff. And so it really helped us. It was a project they had going that w the cash flow was really good on it. It was fun work to do. Um, we had to keep them, you know, it was kind of a specialty thing in that we had to keep them, you know, really clean, nice, and ready yeah. to go. And so we would find these heifers in heat, breed them, cycle them, breed them. And then we would, after they were a certain amount of months pregnant, we would come back and uh, use ultrasound and go in and find out if they were having males or females. Yep. If they were going to have a male calf, then we would have to abort that calf and come back and get rebreed it. Um, so their goal was to have was it to have a bred heifer with a female calf? Yes. Uh, yes. And that's that's the the type of animal they were trying to put on that boat. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that when they shipped it. When it got that into, I think I thought it was Brazil, was it? It is Brazil. Yeah, and so when it got to Brazil, they were hoping to have a calf as a, a cow that was expecting a, a heifer calf. Mm -hmm. A heifer calf, and okay. they were gonna, and they had did this to really diversify their breed over there because they had um, a lot of different base genes behind this, and they wanted to get all that over there. So it was quite a project, and it ended up being really long. I think there was. Um, two different shipments that they ended up taking is that some of them, you know, took longer to get a female and a female. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that that really helped us. It, we didn't have to lay the capital out yep. to do that, yet we were very involved and we were financially reimbursed fairly well to do it. So that, that was one of, the, one of the little singles that I talked about that, you know, helped us to get back to where we were bringing in income and, and not having to have capital to do it. Yeah. Well, well you, you know, one thing I admire, sorry, Mom, I don't mean to cut you off, but, you know, is, is we're talking about this 90s thing again, and, and this, I guess if you tie it back to the 80s, the one thing that I've always admired about you two, and, and maybe it's a, a Dutch Farms thing, but it's just the ability to say, I can do this, you know, and... And when you look at what you guys did with, you know, you on a whim going and talking to the guy in the Brookfield Zoo and in this Brown Swiss deal, I mean, you know, at, the, at face value, that seems like maybe scary, maybe a lot of work, maybe it's above my head. But, you know, you guys having, you know, I, I don't know if it's tenacity, fortitude, you know, or, or whatever it is it, to just say we could do this. And I mean, that's a, that's an interesting, you know, deal. And so that's something I really admire about you guys and in, in this whole story. So, Mom, I didn't mean to cut you off. So well, ahead. I was just going to talk about, as an educational standpoint, it was amazing. The vets would come after they flushed out the embryos, and they put up um, microscopes on our kitchen table. Yeah. And we got to actually look, and they could show us the male and female. And so just from an educational standpoint, I was just blown away that I'm doing, we're doing this project 
through Brazil. Yeah. And they're at my kitchen table. So yeah, you felt like you're. Really, I mean, you're really at ground zero on oh this, right? Oh my gosh, we were we were so impressed by the whole the whole thing. It was really it was fun, very fun for us. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah, and so. That that kind of you know we 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 had that and then on the other side you know we were talking before here dad and mom about um, you know different things that we were doing as we transitioned um, you know mom you had talked about your your side of it and getting back um, and doing education and 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 going back to school and stuff you know I, I guess if we frame up you know a couple of different things here we had the brown Swiss we had. Um, I'd like you to, you know, tell us a little bit, Dad, about how the soybean contract came around with Dairyland Seed and sure. um, and that type of stuff. But then, you know, maybe Mom, you could talk after that about, you know, your your direction of wanting to to help the farm by, you know, going back to school and the stuff you guys did that way. Well, you know, we we kept looking for ways to diversify and try to find specialty crops when you're. You know, after the farm farm crisis, you you like a little more protection. Yeah. And um, so we started looking. We had been with Dairyland Seed forever, and I had, the Stracotas were the owners up there and did a lot of their research. And I became good friends with them too. And that's uh, and you know, and they had reached out and said, "Hey, we need some more people to grow soybeans for us. Would you be interested in doing that?" And and we were, you know, to to be able to fix the price and do some of the things we could and didn't have a market for it. Yeah. Um, it uh, it it was just wonderful. It was a good opportunity for us. Um, it comes a lot of work with it because of the purity um, situation, not, you know, planning it, making sure there's nothing in the planter so that it's pure. And then once you get that, the harvest, you know, making sure there's no contamination in your, in your harvest equipment and then no contamination in your bins or legs or augers or any of those things. So it came with a lot of work, but it was, it's been very rewarding and, over the years, we've had a great relationship, and we're the longest seed grower today. We're the longest person that's been growing seed that's with them now. Well, it, and that, that's what I was going to say, Dad. You know, is it? You know, it, it, that's something that's interesting to me because it it has stuck. You yeah. know, it it's um, and I think you know is is you and I and 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 you know anybody else that's involved with the farm, we take a little bit of pride in in growing those seed beans, and yeah, you know, we that, do. That, you know, that's the one thing that. You know, is, is you look back and say, you know, what did we try that stuck around? What do we, what did we do that pulled us out? And and what do we do still today? You know, that's the one thing that I'm really, you know, impressed and 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 uh, I, I guess that I that I really like about the soybean contract is that you know you guys had the you're trying to build these markets, these specialties, you know, projects. Um, and even though we're not doing brown Swiss today, we are still doing soybeans today. And like you said, we are the longest you know, yeah. grower and we still have that specialty market. And so, like yeah. you said, you hit singles, you don't hit home runs. And some of those singles are still sticking around as we are today. And that, yeah. that's really cool. You yeah. know, I, I, that part I'm really cool. Uh, I, I feel really proud to be involved with. You know, in the 90s presented a lot of things. Um, we, you know, uh, health insurance is always a big issue on, on the farm and, <clears throat> and how do you get that? And then Tammy really, um, decided that she'd like to go back to school to be a, um, a teacher and to help us with that. Uh, and I'll let her talk a little bit about that, but she really excelled at it. Yeah, well, Mom, you got to tell a story. Before we started recording here, you told a story about driving over. <laughs> you got to do it. It's, you know, the one thing I will say, and this is just a, this is just a side note, um, you know, I've had uh, some feedback about, um, you know, people just say they, they, they can't believe that you were, 
building fence when you were pregnant with me and some of the stuff. And it made me reflect. I don't know if it's a personality thing or if the farm just does this, but the farm certainly produces a lot of strong women. Yes. You know, yes, and, it does. <laughs> and whether it's strong women that seek out that family, that farm lifestyle, or the farm turns people into being strong women. But, you know, you look at Grandma Ginny and yourself and, you know, even, you know, the prospect of, of Beth being involved at some point, you know, they're very, all three are very strong women. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for you to show your, share your story, um, you know, of what you did for the farm too. Well, the story you're wanting to hear, Jer, is about when I, um, before I went back to teaching, I was just pregnant with Barry, our youngest, and I got the opportunity to work at North Boone High School as a secretary, but they needed computer skills. So I looked up Rock Valley's um, adult education and they were offering a Microsoft class. And, but I only had one half hour to get there until registration closed. So I loaded the kids up in the car and we flew to Rock Valley and I got out and got the class done. And my two kids, I was so proud, they were cheering in the back seat going, <laughs> you did it, mom, you did it. So that was quite quite interesting for me and a very proud moment for me. My kids were cheering me on. Yeah. Um, and that, that led me to a job at North Boone High School as a secretary part-time, but it offered um, health insurance and that's what we really needed. So went back to work. I worked there for seven years and it was only part-time, but I got health insurance and that was really really what we needed. It didn't make that was much family money. insurance back yeah, then yeah, too. Yeah, complete family insurance. And I didn't make a lot of money and Barry was just a baby. So when I'd go to work, I had to have daycare. So my paycheck was a zero, but we did get health care. So, you know, I know that's still an issue today for many families, but you know, sometimes you have to take it on the chin because that's what our family needed at that time. Well, and, and, you know, I I, I guess if you put it in a bigger perspective, you know, I have kids now involved with sports. They've involved it. I mean, that was about the time that I probably got involved with, you know, some junior high sports, Um, you know, not necessarily, but we were starting to play youth baseball. And and so, you know, that, I mean, really as a parent, that's got to be a little bit of worry is if something happens, you know, got to have, you know, health insurance. So, Yeah, so you did that, and then at what point, in, in, you know, at some point you um, had decided, or, you know, it's funny, after we talked about the 80s uh, podcast when we had stopped, you know, Dad, you were saying you were, you went to some board meeting or something and, and, and you know, maybe encouraged Mom to say, hey, you know, they need good teachers here in the district, and, and um, you know, I know there, there were some, discuss, you know, conversations between, between you two, and then at some point you ended up going back, so yeah. tell us, you know... Well, um, that part your of dad it. thought I'd make a good teacher, and I wasn't really sure that was going to be the case. So I went back because I wanted to finish my degree. I'd started at Luther College um, and had a three-year degree there, but um, needed more to go into to complete that degree. So I went to um, Rock Valley to take some gen ed courses and did that for a semester, and then I was um, fortunate to be able to attend Rockford College, now Rockford University. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, when I went to Rockford College, I was still working part-time at North Boone. And so I was asking them, my, my advisor, I said, I see that teachers are being laid off left and right, and I want to go into a minor 
that has something that is worth a value. So yeah. what, what should I go into? And he suggested try Spanish. He goes, if you have Spanish on your resume, you'll get hired. So I went the harder route yep. to, um, and that's how I got my first job was my Spanish minor. Yeah. So paid off. Yeah. But it, so in, in that time period though, let's, let's dissect this just a little bit because I want everybody to know, <laughs> you know, what, you know, his dad's out, you know, with, with grandpa still, you know, coming out of this, you know, 80s crisis. You're going back to school, working part time. And it's not like those were just your two things. No. You know, I mean, you had us. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember being a junior high mm-hmm. around that time. Oh, yeah. And I so did. I had sporting events. I had homework that I needed help with. We mm-hmm. had, you know, meals that needed to be cooked because dad's, you know, out on the farm in the spring and the fall and long hours. And yet, you know, I remember you sitting, ironically, you're sitting in where I live now, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you're sitting in that corner and I remember coming down and seeing you, you know, late at night studying and doing all that stuff. So how, tell me a little bit what you felt and how you were going through trying to balance, you know, working, going back to school, being a mom, being a farm, you know, being part of the farm and having all that yeah. stuff there. I mean, it, it, that was, it, that, that's quite a feat that you did that. You know, it, you look back on it and it was very difficult because you know, my homework had to take precedence, but the kids had to take precedence and the farm had it. It was like everything was number one. So you just had to find ways to stretch yourself to make sure you gave enough quality time to all of them. And that really was a stretch. It was so hard, but it really taught me if I can get through that stage of my life, I can do anything. Yeah. So it's like you said, Jared, that we can do it attitude. That yep. definitely, definitely helped me become a a much stronger person and not just in my own personal life, but in all areas that I have now. So hard work doesn't scare us. No. And I, I think that's just farmers in general. Hard work, if, if you don't know how to work hard, you're not gonna be a good farmer. Yeah. And I don't think I'm the only one you know, that went through that. There are a lot of farm wives out there who had that same kind of experience. And in order to save the farm, you had to sacrifice and do yep. what you had to do. Yeah. And what was nice, I think, too, for you, Tammy, was it, it worked into our lifestyle a little yes. bit with the being able to be off in the summers and mm-hmm. be involved with your kids. But the other thing was that she, uh, I think, is when she came home and said, I love it. I just, <laughs> I just, I really like it. I do. They, actually, Lenny knew exactly what I should do. I didn't know it at the time, but I got into teaching and I did. I just absolutely love it. And it's been a passion ever since. And yeah, I, still doing it today. Yeah, I went yeah. back and got a master's degree after I graduated, and then I went back and got my reading teacher degree and a reading specialist degree. So, it is my passion, and I had no idea, but yeah. it's helping bring yeah. income back to our yeah, farm. Yeah, and now and she's a, a reading specialist family. and helping to teach kids read, which yeah. is really important. Yeah, well, and, and you know, the, the just the <coughs> you know when you when you talk about. You know, from if I just put my banker hat on for for a minute, you know, and you talk about you you mentioned it, Dad, in diversity of you know of income, and you know, on the bank side, we talk of it is you know off farm income, so that you're not relying upon you know the 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 cyclical cycles of ag and and some of those margin compressions that you have at times. You know, going and doing that was a diversified income for you. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. and That's and it took a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. It was. It took a lot of pressure off the farm, um, not only from the health insurance perspective, but, you know, you look at, 
you know, the income, you look at the retirement. I mean, when you really start looking at some of the, the value the, of doing that and having off-farm income, I mean, that's that's big. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would agree, it goes right back to the hitting the little singles. I mean, when she first went to work for as a secretary, we had, I don't know, 22 bucks every two weeks, plus the health insurance, it wasn't yeah. much. But, you know, and even when you're starting salary, when you come out to um, and teachers, isn't, isn't a great starting salary. But, you know, if you look today, and it's a bunch of singles that's helped to get get yeah. us where we're at today. Well, you hit singles, Mom. You, yes, you, you did. You know, you hit singles in your career. Uh, you know, I remember you were you started at Harvard, mm-hmm. transitioned over to Janesville, and came back into the North Boone District. Yeah. But in that time, you kept hitting singles. You kept getting another degree. You know, you yeah. kept doing, you know, other advancements, career advancements, and, and you know, additional learning that helped. And, and you could look at that and say, those were all singles that, yeah, you know, yeah, was hit too, yeah. you know. And so I'm super proud of you, Mom. I mean, I, you know, I, I probably don't say it enough, but I mean, you know, this that's the thing that I think is so cool about our family. And if you look at, you know, who, you know, the women that are involved with it, like I said, um, I think they're all strong women. I think, you know, Grandma Ginny was strong. I think you're you're strong. I think Sean is a strong person. Yeah. You know, in in Barry and I is is we've chosen spouses. We've you know sought out strong women too, and so it was something I was thinking about the other day and going is is the does the farm produce strong women or is it you know <laughs> or is it just those type of people? What came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> yeah, kind of scenario. So, you know, mom, I appreciate you you um, sharing that story because I I remember as a kid, you know, a lot of the stress um, at times that you had in in the evolving of the farm, the evolving of your career, and the evolving of us being a family that's you know no longer contained to you know Saturday night at home. Where, you know, we started getting friends and in junior high and going. There. I mean, there was. Knowing where I'm at now in my life, I see the stress in there. So I, you know, my hat goes off to you guys and just want to say thanks, you know, for all of that Thank too. You. Yeah. So, um, so at some point too, you know, this, we talk about stuff that has stayed around and lasted, um, of, of how we've diversed, you know, our income and things of that sort. You know, another one that comes to mind is the trucks, you know, where, you know, you, we talk about soybean contract, how you got into that and, that's still around today, but the other part is the trucks. And so, you know, I'd be interested to know what you guys were thinking then. And, and Grandpa was still a part of this as we started oh, yeah. doing that. Yeah. And so what was what was your thought process on diversifying into the trucks? Well, as the, the farmers out there will know, that the government paid a lot of people to store corn because we had such of an abundance on it. it was It was the reserve. And we ended up at one time with our bins all full and our... Sheds full. You probably remember all the corn that we had piled all over. I do. And you know there was they would pay storage on that, and and uh, and then you know a pick and roll back then to the farmer didn't mean that the guy would roll and go to the hoop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> was it was picking and rolling the contract, you know, right? It was, it was a they had pick certificates and stuff like that. But uh, the the older farmers out there will remember what I'm talking about. Um, but we ran into a problem of some of the things that we were wanting to do and move grain. And then and we had grown a little bit, rented some ground from um, some neighbors and, and started to build that. And so we, we came into the problem of, uh, you know, what do you do with, how do you get the grain moved? Yeah. And uh, we had struggled to get it moved in a timely fashion so that we could get it moved for room for, to dry more corn. You know, back then we didn't weren't using them to get out of the fields. Uh, you know, we were still using wagons and two-ton trucks to get it out of the field. That really yep. wasn't our problem. It was getting it to the terminals. Um, we were just wanting to 
dry all our corn at our cells and a little bit more diversity instead of taking it to the elevator we were building a drying facility so we could dry our own corn yeah and uh with that came that challenge so um we we ended up you know buying a truck so that we could get that truck and somehow getting it away and and as i said doing that i had uh randy menzel which was with ralston's grain at the time and um he'd say boy could you would you like to do this you know so and help us to and do it commercially and and, and, you know, back then it was a lot to it. it you, you couldn't just get a permit. You had to get an ICC permit, which they wanted it to go to Chicago. Um, you had to show a need in the community. Then you had to go in front of the board of the state of Illinois building and uh, apply for a permit to do it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, hire a downtown Chicago lawyer that was good with it. And and so we had to go through all of that to get our permits. Um uh, so that we could haul grain there and, and we ended up you know starting with one truck and pretty soon we had three trucks on with them and you know and, and then we got as big as 12 trucks running down the road and, and that came that was a diversification too and also lent itself to us being mechanics and farm workers that we were you know good at doing some of that service yeah. and uh and and you know we could hire somebody to come in the shop with us to do some of that stuff so it worked out good with the farming industry yeah. and we're still in that business today well that that's what i was gonna say i mean you know you, you, that i think that's cool that we entered into that and you know you talk yeah. about a mechanic story or mechanics and I, I i remember this as a kid and this was early on in the trucking part um you know we we had that green semi the cab over pete and then we had bought a, a white one and I think that was a cab over Pete too, if I remember right. And um, but there was something with the engine; it was seized up, or something was with that. And I remember uh, you and Grandpa taking and pulling that whole powertrain out of that semi and redoing it all. I remember learning how a torque wrench worked when you <laughs> when you and I were putting. I don't remember if it was the valves or the heads back on. Oh my goodness! But we had the whole thing torn apart. Yeah. And and I remember I, I was in I was in middle school at the time, and I remember you. I'd come help a little bit on the weekends or something, you know, and hanging out with you guys. And obviously, I didn't contribute a heck of a lot to the project overall. I thought I was doing it, yeah. probably. Oh, you were always there. You were always willing to run a ranch or hold yeah. the lighter. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, um, you know, the funny thing about that is that I remember you coming home one night and saying, we're going to start it then uh, tomorrow morning. Yeah, and I remember going to school and thinking, I hope it, this thing runs because I remember how we had it all torn apart. <laughs> And we weren't sure whether it was going to run or not. And I remember coming home and asking you, I'm like, well, did it run? <laughs> you know, and I remember you going, yeah, it ran so good we couldn't get it shut off. Yeah, that's right. And, and I don't remember there was something wrong with the ignition or something. You guys yeah. tried to, you know, we tried to kill the motor yeah. by blocking the wheels and it just would climb up over it and, you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. And end up, I think you guys end up somehow shutting the fuel off to it. Right. And, uh, but I, I thought in my mind, I was thinking, I'm like, now this is a pretty cool deal. You know, we, we had this thing torn apart and it's so strong that we can't even kill it. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, in my, my perspective as a young kid, I'm like, well, that's the Dutch farm's way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. kind of scenario. But, I, you know, the, the, the funny thing about that is that I remember you bought that. And I think, didn't we put it on the road for like a, a, a Ken Howe Enterprise or something like that? We, we had it running some, you know, overnight regional type stuff. Um, initially, at first, you were trying to diversify even the truck business. 
the um, trees. At, at some point, you were, you guys were hauling trees for the nursery, but then that one I thought went on on the road somewhere too for a little bit. Yeah, I don't we, remember what we, was hauling. We hauled some flatbed stuff for for Kenny Howe, and um, we we started. The, you know, the grain was good. We really needed it, but it, it was it was kind of hot and cold, and so we did look for some other things. The story you're talking about, though, I got. You know, uh, my dad Troy, he 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 loved to do that stuff, and he yep. thought of rather than buying something that was ready to run, he loved to buy something that needed work that we had to <laughs> that we had to work on to get it going. So we put that in. We built an overhead crane to take that motor out, and you know there was no rating on it. Um, we just decided uh, how to build it. But we we looked at a neighbor's one and said, well, we can build that. Yeah. So we built a crane on. I remember we lifted that motor out of that truck. It was a sixteen ninety three T. So uh, Caterpillar, which was really a motor that they put in dozers and stuff back then, but it was a, it was in that semi, and um, we took it out to overhaul it and and put it back, and uh, we knew it had a bad motor in it when we bought the truck, and that's, yeah. we were able to buy it really cheap, and and um, so we put that back in. But I remember you could when you were rolling the motor away, it was so heavy, you could see the legs spreading on the <laughs> yeah. overhead crane. And you know, I'm not thinking, man, that's giving way any time. But we get, we got it out, re overhauled it, and uh, did a major on it, and put it back in, and it, it ran for a long time for us, and yeah. did, did fairly well. Well, for a long time, I remember those two trucks were with us for quite a while. Yes. You know, and and when we traded those, I remember we went into, I think, a pair of Peterbilt um, conventionals. Yep. And then uh, like an international or a white, and then you know those trucks were with us for a little while yep, too. Yep, they were. Those were some three seventy nines um, uh, Peterbilts that were conventionals. Yeah. Yeah, and I know you. You know, it, it's funny. You know, you, you we could probably have a whole segment of the trucks itself. Oh yeah. You know, and the yep. challenges and the you know cyclical patterns of that and how things came about. But you know, one of the things that again, this is another area of the of the farm mm -hmm. that. That, that was started in the 90s that's still here today, you know, and, and how you've even evolved that customer base and what you haul and some of the specialty stuff, you know, that we were hauling for the nursery and, you know, things of that sort that was great work, you know, as, as the, um, you know, housing boom was going on and, and how it, it faded a little bit when, when that it wasn't as strong, but how you guys have just constantly managed that and built up, you know, like you said, a network. Yeah, you, you know, it really is. We didn't know it was going to be called networking back then. But yeah, that's, that's what we did. We networked. And but it, again, the more a lot of it is a lot of little singles again, right? A lot of little singles. We got hooked up with a, a fellow a Clems Nursery that bought a nursery out by us, and uh, we ended up um, having a long-term relationship with them too, hauling trees into Chicago, um, the Chicago uh, public districts in there that uh, some of the arboretums um, just you know, a whole slew of things that usually was, would last, you know, six months of the year. Yeah. And so that was, that was a good thing that we did too. Um, and yes, just uh, getting where we hauled organic um, products, um, you know, certifying our, our trailers that were clean and that we ended up getting a little bit of the organic market too. We hauled some hard red winter wheat up to Kekelman's for, uh, yeah, for them to get to make soy sauce out of um, that had to come from out west, and just a lot of those little little singles and uh, different things that we're able to diversify and de and and do. Well, and it you know I'm gonna sound like a little bit of a broken record, but it's also not being afraid to say yes and hard work. You yeah, know, right, mom, you said it. You know, farmers are, it, 
you can't be afraid of hard work. And, and if you've, you know, listened to the story up to this point with the hay contract and all that other stuff that we're, you know, that you guys were doing and, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, like I said, just, just being able to say, we'll do that. You know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll, we're, we're willing to work hard to do that. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, and it's a family effort too. I, you know, I, I think, you know, my brother, Ben, he, he left the farm because the farm was having a hard time with ever, everybody being on it and so many incomes. And then he went and, and um, you know, worked in construction and did very, very well at that. And then he came back and bought one of the farms Yeah, um, yep. that we had been farming for a, a lot of years and then rented it back to Dutch farms. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've, I've seen a lot of farms that have did that. You know, even the family members that aren't, uh, participating directly in the farm, you know, have played roles too, you know, and, and we were lucky to have him come back and purchase that. And then us yeah. to be able to continue that farm, especially when it's contiguous with the rest of the stuff that we're farming. Yeah. Oh, it, it, so true. You yeah. know, so true. It, it, there's that saying, well, you can take, you can take the boy off the farm, but you can't take the farm out of the boy or something like yeah. that. You know I mean? In some ways there's a lot of truth to that. And there really is. And, you know, I mean, they're, Farmers are always struggling with that today in that, you know, how, do the, how does the farm get passed along and how do, how do we go on, keep this thing rolling? And, and I listen to stories, obviously, that say, you know, I'm a seventh generation farmer. And, mm-hmm. and you think of all the work and the sacrifice by the families that it's had to, to make that a seventh generation farm. I know. You know, that takes a lot. And, it, and, and I, that, you know, is what we want to, cons- uh, you know, concentrate on with, the passing of our farms and yep. and everything that's a it's a business that goes on. We're just here a short period of time to do our work while we're here. Yeah, you're yeah. you're a placeholder for it, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, one I guess one last thing I I, I guess uh, on the diversity side and how you know I guess if you look at it in in early growth stages that are still around today, you know, the other part that, that's still here is the, um, you know, the hog building. And, and so, you know, as you look at how Dutch Farms, <coughs> you know, stands today and some of the things that we did in the 90s to get us to where we're at today, you know, I, we can't not talk about that one. You know, and that's that was, you know, something I remember, I, you know, I remember when it was getting built and, and um, I remember when we first put hogs in it, I think I was either, I think I was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. You know, we just couldn't believe, one, how many hogs were in there, mm-hmm. but then two, all the automation in there, which now today is a little bit obsolete, yes. <laughs> you know, but I mean, all the stuff that was in there, it was just state of the art, such a cool thing that I know you guys were super proud of. Um, and, and it has also, you know, lasted and has the longevity of being still around here. So, mm-hmm. you know, tell us a little bit about what, you know, you guys were thinking on that or how that came to be. And I know Grandpa, that was kind of the last thing that maybe he was really involved with before he passed. So I, I think we got to we gotta talk about this a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, that was a, uh, we always had some livestock around doing some different things. And, you know, a good friend of ours is Mike Meyer and had gotten rid of his cows and, and quit dairying and had decided to put up a nursery over there and, and do some of the, uh, and try to do some of this custom hog feeding. And, and he had done it, and, and so he had tried to talk me into maybe looking at it and seeing what we could, and it's that networking again, you know. And, yeah. and uh, so we ended up talking to, you know, Art Mueller and, and a bunch of his partners that were going to go in on this deal and, and raise pigs and looking for custom feeders. And 
you know, it was a it was a big outlay at that time. I think the building was about one hundred and seventy thousand um, dollars, and that was concrete. We put a big pit under it, you know, an eight foot pit, so we could keep all of the um, all of the manure inside. Um, it was going to uh, house about eleven hundred pigs, you know, 1,050, 1,100 pigs at the time, and and um, it uh, it would generate enough income to to pay for the building to start with. And, yep. and uh, it, would, it had about a 10 year payback on it. Um, if you took a little bit for labor or if you just put it all, um, then you know you pay for it in about seven. So we took the seven year route and just yep. said, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna get the building paid for. Yeah. And you know, then after that, then it produced income. Yeah. And we've had it um, since 95, we've been doing it. So it's, that's another one of those singles. Yeah. And, and like you said, it was, my dad was pretty excited about seeing it. We had just started the planning process. You know, it's going to be 240 feet long. It's going to be 40 foot wide. It's going to hold 500,000 gallons of manure. Um, you know, it's automatic feeders. To um, him, he probably couldn't. He he probably couldn't wrap his head around it. He needed to visualize it. You know, he couldn't. And, and I, for years, when we first did it, I would, I would think I would love for him to see how yeah. easy we're feeding. Yeah, eleven hundred pigs. Yeah, you know he wouldn't believe. I still, I still do. That. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and and now our our like you'd said, our building has become an obsolete to the new buildings. Yeah, you know, a, a new norm would be that building being twice the size that it is today. Yeah. Um, but yes, that provided us with, um, you know, we could we could uh, work at that building while still being right there on the farm. Um, it provided you kids with a lot of good work. It oh, yeah. Go, it's yep. got about a 40-hour Still cleanup. does, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's providing my boys with yeah. some good work opportunities, yeah. too. Yeah, so there's some good old grunt work when it comes to washing that building up and in between turns of the yep. the pigs. Um, so we're all in and all out. So we, we get a bunch of pigs in, finish them, and then at the end of that time, that building is completely cleaned up, which... You know, I didn't know the concept going into it, but it really preserves your building. Um, when it's cleaned, you know, every four months or five months, depending yep. on which way you're doing the pigs, and and you know, and it's from top to bottom, you realize how how that helps. Yeah, and and helps to preserve the building. So that's been something I I can't you know go on without talking that. You know, during that time, Dad was in in the planning of it, but he passed away in the in June of of uh 95 and at the end of june and and we, we were working on a truck that day um, well i remember he didn't we pull a fan out yeah we pulled one of the horton fans off that morning yeah. and him were working and he told me i'm you know i'm gonna i'm gonna uh go in call tonight we went back to our place there was a bunch of young kids over playing basketball at yeah, the a house lot of my friends that night about, a lot of your friends yeah. yeah and he had um you know, he had to help me take that off and was going into to side to get cleaned up for the night. And and then he went to the shower and there he passed away in the shower that night. Yeah, I remember that night. I mean, like it was yesterday and it's hard to believe that, you know, it was 25 years ago. Yeah, you know, excessive. Yeah, um, it, it really is. And, and I, you know, one of the things I remember is just feeling like. You know, so you, I guess as a young kid, I was about 15, so I'm about Chris's age, you know, and feeling that, like, there's a big void now gone on the farm. Mm, there you know, was. Cause, yeah. Because, you know, it, 
you, I talk about your your guys's you know ability to work hard and say yes. I mean, he was afraid of anything either, oh, and, no. and that must be where we all got it from. Is it you know you know it started with either him or his dad or something you know, and and you know none of us are really afraid. I mean, you talk about our cousin, you know, even all my cousins, you know, we're not afraid of of something new, and no. and so when you have a a, a, a you know, a strong figure like that gone, you know, I, I remember thinking, where we go now? And and I, I, you and I, Dad, have talked about this a lot. And Mom, you've been, I know, you, you know, no stranger to where we were at. I mean, I think we had first, we had planted our first field of wheat in a long time. Yeah. And we had the uh, combine, I think it was a 7720 maybe at the time, or maybe it was a 7700. I can't even remember. But, you know, but... I remember we had that whole thing tore apart because we were redoing the RAS bars on the on the concave or on the uh, cylinder on the cylinder, yeah. Um, and maybe we did put a new concave in it, but I know we were doing all that because of this wheat. And you know the wheat was getting ready. We had to get this thing back together. Grandpa just passed. I mean, it had to be. It had to look like just a mountain to climb to get it all back together. I mean, I I don't even know how. I mean, how you felt and what was going on. You know, it was funny. We we had a, a good working relationship, and we both were interested in mechanical work, so that that helped. But, yeah, we had the truck in the shed. We had it tore apart, yep. and we had the concaves out of the combine. We were putting in a new concave, too. We, so the head was there back then. You took the feeder house off with the head, and we had the head and the feeder house. It completely tore apart. Yeah. And um, when he passed away, and I do remember walking in the shop going, oh, boy. Yeah. What, am, what do we do now? So well, You were thrown to fi the fire right there yeah, to figure it out, was. weren't you? And, we, all, and we, we always said to each other, you know, hey, between the two of us, we can figure it out. Yeah. You know, and he'd, often he'd say, let me start wrenching this. You get the book. We didn't have YouTube <laughs> yeah. back then. So he'd say, you get the book and start reading about how to do this, and I'll, I'll start wrenching. You get, you get us ready. And so... <laughs> Yeah, I looked at that and went, whoa, here we go. Well, and that it was hot. Yeah, I remember that. It, it was, was humid and hot. hot. Yeah. yeah, God, that was, I remember that summer just, I, I remember when we walked into the shed and it just didn't feel right. No, no. You know, um, it just didn't. No, it didn't feel right, no. And then so you just put one foot in front of the other a little bit and start working on it until you, until you get things back. And I'm sure that he would look down today and pretty proud that we're farming and and that uh and that we're going on and the future looks bright oh yeah well and in, in, in so you know i guess maybe this is the last segment of the the 90s part and this is you know i guess how things are really changing you know for you guys at this point in time too um grandpa passed so now you guys are on it but then i'm also getting to the point where i'm ready to go off and go to school you know and so your family dynamics changing and so you know um I mean, you guys were really at that point in your career where, Mom, you've put a lot of work in it. You've you've hit a bunch of singles on your side to help the farm. Dad, you you and Grandpa worked hard to get it kind of where it's at today, and now now it looks different because he's gone. Yeah. And you're going, okay, well, what do we do? But you're also seeing, you know, changes in your own family. And, and so I got a funny story, you know, before we wrap up. Um, you know, I, it was two years, two years later, I ended up going off to college and, and, and so you talked about that network of having somebody around and I wasn't quite there yet at that point to be that network for you. So it really was mom and, and grandma, you know, Ginny at that time yeah. was really your network and, yeah. and, uh, but I just, I always think this is funny and, and mom, she totally whipped my butt into shape on that. She kind of scared me straight when I <laughs> ended up going to college. <laughs> 
you know, I went in there and was, um, you know, pretty much thought I was there just to play football, you know, and, and I've always, you know, I told you guys, I always wanted to just farm and, you know, I probably wrong, you know, from the start, you know, I had a wrong look that I just wanted to go to college just so I could continue to play sports and that really wasn't as motivated to learn. And uh, I'll never forget, I was going off to a football game, it was a away game, and I'd hear a knock on my door, and I open up my door, and there's mom standing at, uh, standing at the doorway, and she's ready to give me a good butt-chewing of, of how I'm shirking my responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And we did get a call from your football coach. He said, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Dutch, I hate to call you about this, but your son's not attending class. And we said, well, thank you very much for the phone call. We'll see if we can change this. <laughs> so me being an educator and all the sacrifice that I went through to get you into college. Yeah. And the sacrifices that we made just to get myself to college and how much I had to work. That was a pretty big slap in my face. So I said, this boy is going to get to class. <laughs> so I, um, I found out what time his bus left for the game and I hightailed it right after my work at Harvard and met him at the door and I'm a person of very few words yes but I let him know that that's um, his choice and his life but you're going to reap the consequences of it and I believe you started attending class after that yeah I mean I never felt so low at that point when I you know when you know your and mom look where you are today yeah uh, it certainly helped but you know I, I guess you know, it, it's a funny little story, and I think in the conclusion of the 90s, but, you know, I think it, it in my mind, it, it shows, you know, it, it shows a couple things to me. It, it, you know, you look back on all the sacrifice. I remember Grandma Ginny used to say when I, when I got the license, she used to say, now, you know, you carry the last name and, you know, don't be going around town and mess that last name up. You know, there's a lot of people that worked hard to try to make that name, you know, something to be proud of. And, uh, you know, it was as I come to the conclude, you know, wrap up this 90s section and kind of where I was at. I mean, I was at kind of a point where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And you, you know, mom, you came in, you know, you guys were, were transitioning because of, you know, grandpa being gone. I was transitioning because of going to school and not really sure what I wanted to do. And you guys certainly helped me pull through that. You know, it, it in, the, in the end, you know, of it all, um, you know, I had to end up coming back and getting a little bit more serious. But the farm really kind of saved me at that point, you know, because when I came back, I went back to Rock Valley, um, was going there full time. I was, you know, the trucks, you know, you yep. put me into a truck and I started driving truck, you know, two days or three days a week, depending on what my schedule was on the days I didn't go, you know, and that brought me, that kind of centered me back into things and, and, yep. and brought me back. And so you know, it's funny, you know, this, this is kind of called saving the farm, but in many ways the farm has saved us too. It has, yes. You know, and so... I guess maybe that's that's probably a good spot to stop on the 90s sure. um, and, uh, you know, more to come on the 2000s uh, part of it. But uh, I certainly appreciate your guys' time and, and all that you've done and, and, and the stuff that you've done at that point um, and that it's long-lasting. You know, here we are 30 years later and, and some of this stuff is still is still a main part of our business. Yes. It is. And it's hard to believe it's been that long. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I thank you guys for the time. Thank you.